you ever heard the saying that life is not measured by time, but life is measured in moments? Life is not measured by time. Life is measured in moments. Have you ever heard that saying? Um, in, in other words, life is not measured by the, the duration of life, but life is measured by the moments of life. Life is not measured by time. Life is measured in moments. And, and if you'd like to look on the back of your program there, there's a little outline of uh, this afternoon's message. The famous theologian, uh, Dr. Seuss, once said, sometimes you don't know the value of a moment until it's a memory. Sometimes you don't know the value of a moment until it's a memory. And it's really true that life is not measured by time, but life is measured by moments. Think about that. We rarely remember a whole year or a whole month or a whole week or a whole day, but we do remember the moments the moments in a year or in a month or in a week or in a day, we remember the moments. And sometimes those moments are holy moments and sometimes those moments are hilarious moments. If you have kids or if at one time you had small kids or if you have grandkids, you probably can remember some hilarious moments with your kids as they were growing up. One day some Years ago now, when our, our oldest son, Caleb, was two years old, we were changing his diaper on the dryer in our laundry room. That was, that was our changing table, the dryer in our laundry room. And we were changing in his, his diaper. And um, have any of you ever used your uh, dryer for your uh, changing table? Okay, we were bad parents. I get it. Okay. Well I, won't, I, well, I will tell you this. If we were upstairs, we used the ironing board in our bathroom as the changing table. Now, we had some very kind of interesting moments. An ironing board is pretty narrow. You got to use that as a changing table. You got to be really careful. So I don't know if you ever use ironing board for your changing table. We did. So this day, Caleb's up there. He's two years old, changing his dirty diaper up on, that, uh, on the uh, dryer in our laundry room. And uh, I should t I t tell you uh, this part of it. The day before, we weren't watching, and somehow Caleb accidentally swallowed a nickel. And we, when we discovered that, kind of freaked out. We were young parents, and we kind of freaked out at that. He knew it was anxious, young parents do. And so we called the doctor and said, what do we do? You know, and the doctor said, don't worry about it. Nothing you can do about it. Uh, he'll be okay. Just watch. Just be watching. So you know where the story's going, huh? So he's, uh, he's on the dryer, and we're changing his dirty diaper. I mean, we're talking number two. And yes, you guessed it. What came out in that dirty diaper was a nickel. Now, some of you know that I'm pretty frugal. But I wasn't going to clean up that nickel. Out of that dirty diaper, it was nickel and dirty diaper and all gone. But that, that is a moment that uh, Wendy and I have to remember. Life is not measured by time, but life is measured in moments. A moment to remember for sure. Christmas is a season of memorable moments. Uh, holy moments and hilarious moments. And some of you, I imagine, could think of a Christmas memory, a holy moment, and a hilarious moment from Christmas past. And I invite you this Christmas to share 
that memory, to share that moment that you remember from a Christmas with the people that you celebrate Christmas with. Maybe tonight, this afternoon as we're gathered here, maybe this will be a holy moment for you as we worship today. On Christmas Eve, 40 years ago today, I had a moment that I still remember. I, um, I was sitting in my living room in front of a warm, crackling fireplace where I was living in Cambridge, Wisconsin, and I was nervous and I was anxious. Our Christmas Eve service had concluded about an hour ago. I was serving as the pastor of Willerp United Methodist Church in Cambridge. Our service concluded about an hour ago, and I had invited my girlfriend, Wendy, to come over after the service. And so I was, uh, before she came, I had everything ready. I had the warm, crackling fire ready and the lights down low, and I had a song that I was going to play for her on my cassette recorder. You remember those little cassette tapes in a cassette recorder? That was old, that's old school. I'm talking 40 years ago, right? So I had my cassette tape all tuned up, but I was going to punch it at just the right time. But Wendy came in, and, and we chatted about the Christmas Eve service for a little bit, but then I couldn't wait, and I popped the question, will you marry me? I waited for an anxious moment, <laughs> and she said yes. <laughs> it was a moment that I remember 40 years to the day. And I'm grateful for that moment in time. Life is not measured by time, but life is measured in moments. It was a Christmas to remember and a moment to remember. And it was like in that moment, all the hurry of that Christmas Eve day and all the uh, hectic pace of the Christmas, Eve, Christmas season faded as I remember that moment. My prayer for you is that the hurry of Christmas Eve and the hectic pace of the Christmas season will fade for you today and that you'll experience a holy moment in worship. The Christmas story of the birth of Jesus is really a series of holy moments. When Joseph discovered that Mary was pregnant and he knew that he was not the father of the child, he was going to divorce Mary quietly, but then an angel appeared to Joseph and said, Joseph, take Mary to be your wife. Joseph at first was confused, but then he followed the message of the angel, and he did. He married Mary. An angel appeared to Mary and said to Mary, Mary, you are highly favored. God's, uh, it, it, and for Joseph, it was a moment of obedience. When he followed what the angel told him, it was a holy moment of obedience. Then, then an angel appeared to Mary and said, Mary, you're highly favored of, of God. You're going to conceive uh, by the Holy Spirit, and you will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Mary didn't know all of what that meant. But Mary responded, came to the point where she responded. You can find this in Luke chapter 1. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. A few months later, Mary went to visit, and it was a holy moment for Mary when she surrendered. It was a holy moment of surrender. A few months later, she went to visit her relative Elizabeth, 
Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. And when Mary entered the room where, where Elizabeth was, uh, uh, the, the baby growing inside of Elizabeth's womb leaped. And Elizabeth felt that movement. And in that moment, Elizabeth recognized that Mary's pregnancy was different. Mary's pregnancy was unique. And, and, Mary, and Elizabeth said to Mary, Mary, you uh, are, are blessed among women. And Mary responded with the first Christmas song. The very first Christmas song, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. It was a holy moment for Mary, a moment of praise. We heard from Pastor Patricia this morning of the shepherds and their moment of surprise and, their, and then their moment to, of witness as they went out and told the story and experienced first the Christ child. So the Christmas story is filled with many holy moments. But the ultimate holy moment of Christmas, really think about it, the ultimate holy moment of his, human history is when Almighty God came to earth in the form of a baby. When Almighty God took on human flesh and became one of us, became like us, with us, in his son Jesus. This is how the gospel writer John puts it in John chapter 1, verse 1. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, in the context of John chapter 1, John's referring to the Word as Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John writes in verse 14, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is how the gospel writer Luke tells about God coming to earth in the form of a baby. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. There's something uh, miraculous, something holy about the birth of a baby. I've experienced it. Some of you have experienced it just this past year or the past few years. There's something indeed miraculous and holy about the birth of a baby. There is something miraculous, holy, and supernatural conceived by the Holy Spirit, about the birth of Jesus. Jesus, the very Son of God, King of kings, and Lord of lords, left heaven to come to earth. And he came to earth without any splash, fame, or fanfare. I mean, there was no era's tour grossing over a billion dollars. If you know what I mean. Do we have any Taylor Swift fans here? 
Okay, right, I thought there'd be a few. We got some Swifties, in it, it, right? We got some Swifties. My daughter is a huge Swiftie. She was a Swiftie before they were called Swifties. I mean, like, she's been following Taylor Swift for 17 or 18 years. And, um, and she's quite amazing, isn't she? Incredible what she's done on her world American tour, world tour, grossing over a billion dollars. She has lifted the lid, taken the lid off of all records. She was just recently named the, the Time Magazine Person of the Year. Jesus entered the world humbly, lowly, no fanfare, <laughs> in a manger. Mary and Joseph were sharing space with some cows and sheep. And yet here we are, 2,000 years later, still talking about him. Here we are, 2,000 years later, still singing about him. That is fascinating to me. Here we are, still making music for him. And still, 2,000 years later, declaring, as the angel declared to the shepherds 2,000 years ago, the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The ultimate holy moment. But why? Why would God come to earth? John tells us, as I read earlier, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Why would almighty God come to earth in the person of his son, Jesus, when he knew that he would be ridiculed, rejected, and those who would, 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 would see him would not welcome him when he came. Why? Verse 18, John chapter 1. No one has ever seen God, but the, but the only, one and only Son, who is himself God, as, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. That's mind-boggling. The one that was in closest relationship with the Father made the Father known by coming to this earth. So Jesus came to show us what God is like. You see, the question for most people is not, is there a God? The question for most people is not, is there a God? There is very few full-blown, pure atheists. The question for most people is, who is God? The question for most people is, what is God like? And nature and the universe tell us some things about God, his power, his beauty, his immensity, but nature and the universe don't tell us about God's grace, mercy, love, and his desire to have a relationship with us. God sent his son Jesus to show us God's Grace, mercy, love, and God's desire to have a relationship. 
with us. And so Jesus came to this world. Did you hear about the little girl who was drawing on the kitchen table and she was drawing a picture and her mom walks into the, into the kitchen and says, what are you drawing, honey? And, and she says, well, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the mother says, what do you mean you're drawing a picture of God? No one has ever seen God. No one knows what God is like. How can you be drawing a picture of God? And the little girl said, well, that may be true, but they'll know what God looks like after I'm finished. Jesus came to this earth to give us a picture of God, to show us what God is like. Jesus came fully God, fully man, to reveal God's grace, mercy, love, and his desire to have a relationship with us and ultimately to show us what sacrifice looks like. Which is point two. God came to earth in the person of Jesus to give his life for us. To give his life for us. Listen, people say that Jesus is the reason for the season. And in many ways that's true. But I also want you to understand tonight that you're the reason for the season. Meaning God loved you so much, had, had you in his mind loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to be born in a manger, to grow up and to teach us how to live, to teach us about God's kingdom, to teach us a better way, and then to die on the cross to offer forgiveness for our sins and a fresh start and a clean heart. I had a moment to remember when I was a 13-year-old teenager, and I was with a bunch of other uh, kids from, our, from my youth group, uh, and we went to this large Christian gathering at the Dane County Coliseum. And that night, I heard the good news of the gospel, the good news that Jesus came, that Jesus died for me, that, that I could have my sins forgiven and I could be given a new life and the gift and promise of eternal life. And it was that night in that moment that, that I opened my heart and life to, to Jesus. And I, I received him as my Savior and Lord and I put my faith and trust in him for salvation. It was a holy moment. Changed my life forever and eternally. Life is not measured by time. Life is measured in moments. Jesus is the perfect bridge between sinful humanity and a perfect and holy God. Jesus is the perfect bridge between earth and heaven. The coming of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas time isn't just history or theology. It's profoundly personal. It's profoundly personal. A Savior has been born for you. Jesus was born for you. Died in the cross for you. For the forgiveness of your sins and rose from the dead to give life and resurrection and new life to any and all who would put their faith and trust in him. See, the manger led to the cross, and the cross led to an empty tomb. And here we are today, 2,000 years later, celebrating those holy moments. If the world needed more 
knowledge, God would have sent an educator. If the world needed more technology, God would have sent an engineer or a scientist. If the world would have needed more money, God would have sent an economist. If the, God, if the world would have needed more entertainment, God would have sent an entertainer. But the, the world's greatest needs, humanity's greatest needs are deeper than that. Humanity's greatest needs relate to the soul. Hope, peace, love, salvation. So God sent a savior. We still need a savior today. Not easy to see that. See how true that is, right? We still need a savior. It's obvious. I mean, just every day we see it in the news. The world needs a savior. The, the, the evidence of evil, injustice, wrongdoing, sin are obvious. Ukraine, Israel, Gaza. Countries around the world, our own country, cities and small towns, it's obvious we need a better way. We need a Savior. I need a Savior. When we, when we look at our own lives and, 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 and are, are honest about our own pain, hurt, brokenness, our own grief and despair, our own wrongdoing and sin, we realize that we need a Savior. Unto us a child has been born, a son has been given, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Christmas is a season of memorable and holy moments from 2,000 years ago until today. Let me ask you, are you just kicking the spiritual t tires tonight? Are you just doing some spiritual window shopping? Or are you open to a holy moment this Christmas? Are you open to a holy moment with Jesus? If you're hurting, Jesus is your comforter. If you're anxious and afraid, Jesus is your peace. If you're tired and overwhelmed, Jesus is your rest and your strength. If you're, just, if you're despairing, Jesus is your hope and your anchor. And if you're willing to acknowledge your sin and your need, Jesus is your Savior. May tonight, this afternoon, at this Christmas Eve service, be a holy moment for you. Forty years ago today, I asked Wendy, will you marry me? She said yes, and my life was changed. Jesus is asking you this afternoon, not will you marry me, but a question with far more uh, significance than that. Will you receive me? Will you open your heart and put your faith and trust in me? And if your answer is yes, your life will be forever and eternally changed. Life is not measured by time. Life is measured in moments, will you let the ultimate holy moment of history become a holy moment for you today?
Let's pray. And in this time of prayer, I invite you to say yes. You might not have the right words. doesn't matter if you have the right words. God knows your heart. And so I just invite you to open your heart to Jesus. That as he was born 2,000 years ago, let him be born in you today. Receive him. Trust him. Let him forgive you. Give you life. The promise of life eternal. May this be a holy moment with him today. Hear our prayers, O Lord. Whether we, for the first time, have said yes to you and given our hearts and lives to you, or whether this day, this Christmas Eve, is the first time when we've really, truly been honest with our own selves, our own brokenness, wrongdoing, and sin, and where we acknowledge our need for a Savior, and that you provided that, God, and we thank you for Jesus. May he be born anew in us today. In Jesus' name, amen.